Praise God. Now, I know we're right smack, you know, in the middle of a holiday sandwich here, and it's dark outside and rainy and all of that. So throw off any of that sleepiness and heaviness. Amen. I, I sense it too. Praise God. Let's just throw all that off and move out here by faith and be helped tonight. Glory to God. We've been speaking and ministering for a number of weeks now in these Wednesday night services about really uh, a series of teachings I've been doing called Practical Prosperity. And uh, it's biblical prosperity on the natural side. Uh, The things that God has put into our hand in principles, instruction, laws, behaviors, things that we can do that God has put in the earth for the saved and the unsaved, amen, uh, whereby we can prosper and increase. And then, of course, thank God, He has promised to rain down on us in a supernatural way and give us divine help on the road of life. And we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, are we? I'm embracing everything from the spirit realm, everything that God has to offer me in every area of my life. But I'm also willing to pay attention to the practical instruction that's in the Word. Amen. And I'm going to follow it and wring that rag out and get all the juice out of that in my life that I can. In the very opening lesson, uh, I talked about how I have noticed and seen that some people can tend to um, look to one side of this issue to prosper and gain and get get to the, the highest and best of what God offers by leaning unduly to one side or the other. You know, we're going to get help just by faith and confession and and the power of God and the anointing and worship. And man, you can go a long way with that. But if you don't understand about taking care of your body and what you eat and a little fitness and, and you know, the Bible talks about those kind of things too, then you're not going to arrive. Uh, You're not going to arrive at divine health and long life. Amen? Now, neither will you. You could do, you could eat, you know, wheelbarrowfuls of organic broccoli and and stay away from all the bad stuff and do all the supplements and and work out you know till you look like me you know praise God and, <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know why y'all are laughing but, praise God and uh, and still die young because you you negate or you neglect the spiritual component of walking in love walking in faith Staying in the will of God for your life and die young. Get bitter, be unforgiving, get in strife, get offended. And the devil will come in. Just It doesn't matter how, how many vitamins you take. The devil's going to take you out. He's going to kill you. So we have to embrace both of these things. Amen. And so lately the Lord has just seemed to put his finger on one element, amen, of uh, practical prosperity that the Bible talks a lot about in the Old and New Testament, and that's diligence. Amen. And last week we continued that, and I, I gave you a message, a teaching called No Pain, No Gain. And so tonight we have part two of that. And so I know you're so excited. You were so excited about last week's message that you are just, I, I wondered if the crowd's a little light tonight because they were so excited about no pain, no gain, that they're having no pain and no gain at home. So I don't know, praise God. But uh, I'm excited to bring it to you. And again, I want to tell you, if you'll grab hold of these things and incorporate them into your life, your life will be transformed. Your life will be radically changed. Amen? In Galatians chapter 5, 
uh, we have this list of, of both the, many of the works of the flesh and then the fruits of the Spirit. We're very familiar with those. Most Christians are. Let's read that list of the fruits of the Spirit in verse 22. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, that's humility, temperance, Against such there is no law. Let's read verse 24 too. And they that are Christ, stop, is that you? Yes. Is that me? That's me. Amen. We who are Christ, what have we done then? Here's a word you like. We have done what with the flesh? We've crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk or have our manner in life, in this life, in and by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, of course, the word Spirit there is capitalized, and that, that deceives us into thinking that these fruits are fruits of the Holy Ghost. And in a sense, it's true in that... The Holy Ghost is in us, connecting us to Jesus, who is the vine. But really, the Greek word there, spirit, is spirit. It's pneuma. And you have to, uh, you have to look at the context, amen, to find out whether it's talking about the human spirit, a, an angelic spirit, or the Holy Spirit. Now here, because of John 15, we know that Jesus is the vine or the root, and we are the what? We are the branches. Where does fruit grow? Where does fruit appear? On the branches. So really, it's more accurate to say that all of these different fruits are fruits of the born-again human spirit. Now, of course, you couldn't have any of them if the Holy Spirit wasn't in you, working that in you, producing those things in you. So I know it's a little bit of a splitting of a hair. But it's important for you in that you understand that I'm the branch... And it's my cooperation with God that these fruits are going to pop out and be developed and appear in my life. Amen. Amen. And as we mature, as we grow in Christ, we ought to have all of these different fruits appearing more, more abundantly in our life as we go along. Amen. We ought to be developing in love. We ought to be developing in meekness. We ought to be developing in our ability to suffer long. Amen our joy, our peace, amen. All of these different fruits should be, if, if we're following God's discipleship program, we're in the Word, we're receiving from a pastor, our relationship with Jesus is intimate, these things will develop in our life. But they won't develop apart from you. You have to cooperate. You have to purposefully practice and cultivate these things because they're really the character of God being worked into us. God's love being worked into us. God's peace being worked into us. And we're operating in that. Well, you see here that one of these uh, nine fruits is temperance. And it's very akin to the word diligence that we've been looking at. Your Bible might say, modern translations are going to say self-control. Amen. And so we see that as we are maturing in Christ, growing in Christ, we ought to be more loving. We ought to be more developed, right? Well, it holds true then that we ought to be, as our Christian life unfolds, what should we be more of all the time? We ought to be, we ought to be operating in more temperance 
in this fruit of self-control more and more and more and more as we go. Amen. Amen. Now, a lot of people, I was thinking about this today, a lot of people call the self-controlled life, the temperate life, or I'll say the disciplined life, they call that bondage. They call that bondage. The unrenewed mind calls, when they see someone being disciplined, they call that the unrenewed mind, and the devil wants to chime in and say, that's bondage. Not eating that, not eating this, not doing that, you know, getting up whether you want to or not, whether it's raining or snowing or shining outside, you're going to walk your mile every day. And they call that bondage. But it's not. Temperance, amen, and discipline always produce freedom and peace. Hallelujah. Freedom and peace. Don't believe the flesh-born demonic lie that to just be free and loose is liberty. Oh, I don't have you with me, I don't think. So turn back to the book of Romans chapter 6. And let, let, let Pastor prove to you once again that I know a little bit of what I'm talking about from the Word here. Amen. Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Pick it up with me in verse number 11. Paul says, likewise, reckon. See, he was from Oklahoma. <clears throat> likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign or have dominion in your mortal body, that you should obey it and the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Verse number 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servant you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So this idea, this, see this is a lie, that to just be loose and carnal and fleshly, you're yielding to the whims and the wants and the passions and desires of your flesh. And Paul said by the Spirit, you are the slave. You're not free. You're the slave to the one you obey. So some people, they're a slave to donuts. They're a slave to gossip. They're a slave to laziness. It's not producing freedom. It's not producing peace. And they look at someone moving ahead in discipline. Amen. And going through that, right? But amen. We're all a slave to something. You know, Wigglesworth was real adamant about that. You know, he would not let, if he felt like anything was beginning, he had to have something, he would drive that out. So if he felt like, I have to have coffee in the morning, he would drive out the coffee. He was not going to be under the dominion of anything but the Word. Amen. 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 That's good. Amen. 
I wonder what you, you know, we could all ask ourselves this. What do we do every day that we think we have to do? Yeah, that's one for me. Well, it would not be bad for us just to, just to tell our flesh and to go a week with no coffee. Now look, you could see the reaction. What is that indicative of? Slavery. Not freedom. Slavery. Because if you are inside not free to, that's fine. I'm not under the, I don't need that. Then you're not free. You're a slave to it. Or you're a slave to that. And God doesn't want us to be, and again, like I said last week, uh, a lack of diligence, a lack of temperance and self-control in one area, the thinking that rationalizes that that's okay will creep into other more important areas of our life, like our prayer life and our dedication to the plan of God and other more spiritually you know, important matters. So do you see here, amen, uh, if, if we are just... We have no self-control fruit really operating in our life. That mean, You're not free. You're a slave to the flesh that's dictating your actions and your behaviors. The more you think about it, the more you meditate it, the more revelation you allow the Holy Spirit to bring you. There's a stink bug. And landed right on me. Anyway, uh, praise God. You got a little napkin or something. They're everywhere. Praise God. But the more you begin to see the, the, the gravity of how what seems like a real small thing can have tentacles that reaches into some really, really big things. Yes. Amen. And uh, so, you know, a lot of people in the area of their finances are talking about practical prosperity and how temperance and self-control affect this. A lot of people live on financial bailout miracles. They need a miracle. Why do they need this particular miracle? Because instead of being diligent, they have been negligent. And now there's crisis. Now it's shown up. Now the, the tires need replacing and the brakes, and the refrigerator went out, and this, because I do no maintenance on my stuff ever. And I don't save any money because I have no discipline with finances. And now I need a miracle. That's a bailout miracle. And I'm not throwing stones at any... I have no stones in my pocket, none. Because I have experienced bailout miracles. God does do... Bail out miracles. But some Christians have learned to lean on and almost live on. They go from the bailout of that miracle to get by and be negligent until they need the next one. And that's not okay. The kind of financial miracles I want to need are miracles of financial provision that I need because I've been led by the Spirit to move out and expand and obey God, and He's assigning my life and my ministry to things that are much bigger than me, and I need Him to provide for that in a miraculous way. That's the kind of financial miracle that I want to need in my life. 
But I learned a long time ago, I don't want to live on financial miracles. I want to live in the blessing. The blessing. Amen. Where I can be someone's financial miracle. Amen. We are blessed in Abraham to be a blessing to others. So it, 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 you should get away from, set a goal. I'm not going to live this way anymore if that's you. I'm not, gonna, I'm not, I'm not okay um, live, leaning on the assistance of others. You know, there's a lot of people in our society today, they've gotten real happy letting someone else take care of them. That should not be okay for the believer. The Bible says that God is able to the giver to make all grace, every uh, earthly blessing and favor come to us in abundance so that we have all sufficiency in all things. Amen. And have no need of outside aid or support. But that we are self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Now again, I don't have any stones to throw. And wherever we start, that's where we start. No condemnation. But listen, it should not be our goal to get on a government program. It should not be our goal to get on a medical card so we can have all of our kids on the government's dime. It should not be our goal to not get a job so that we can live on government stimulus. That is not good thinking. And that'll keep you broke. I said that'll keep you broke. Moms and dads in our generation, many of them are doing way, in my opinion, way too much for their children. Kids in their 30s. You want to live with mom and dad in your 30s? I don't, that doesn't bother me. But they better be pulling weight that they weren't pulling at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And we cripple our children when we don't let them face things and have to use their faith for things. Amen? And, and put a, you know, allow them to face situations where they're going to have to make a decision. They're going to have to be led by the Spirit. They're going to have to let the sweat roll off their brow. They're going to have to do some work if they're going to eat. But if you just dote on them and do everything, you're, you're hurting them. You're crippling them in life. Now, my kids are blessed. You know, faith, Faith's got a, man, compare, if I held up my first vehicle and Faith's first vehicle, you could tell how far God's brought our family. And we're so grateful for that. Right. Amen. Amen. And we do help Faith with some of those, but she's got the lion's share of that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. On her faith. Yeah. And her money. Yeah. And that's good for her. Yeah. Amen. Mom said, oh, we're happy to help and be a blessing. But I'm, I'm glad that she, there's no fight against, there was no, she embraced that completely. Amen. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. I got this statement at the, well, just, just fellowship with the Lord today. I, th- I thought it was good. You know, people want the fruit of change without change itself. Right. <laughs> That's really the flesh, right? We, we want the results of change that change produces yeah. without paying the price of change. Right. Listen, guys and gals, you know, that don't work. Right. Amen. That does not work. If you want the fruit 
of what the required change that's going to be placed on you to go from where you are now to the diligent, temperate, self-controlled, disciplined person in every area you need to be, you're going to have some pain involved in that. You're going to have to do some things you don't want to do in your fleshly being, and you're going to have to do it over and over and over and over again consistently. You know, a lot of the ads we see for things like weight loss and different things like that, you know, they, they kind of, results in one week. You'll see results in 24 hours, you know. Take this pill and go to sleep, and it's going to melt all that fat right off your belly. If that were true, you wouldn't have to pay for advertising. That pill would be out of stock. If there was a pill that you could take at night and eat all you want, eat cake and bonbons and ice cream and McDonald's and all that, and take a pill and melt all the way off and you just, whatever, that's not, that's not reality. But see, the, what does the flesh want? Easy peasy, yep. microwave, yep. instant results, and don't ask me to sweat. Don't ask me to... <laughs> so listen, just the renewed mind's going to say, I understand. To get to the ultimate, to have God's best, I'm going to have to get my flesh under control. And that's not going to feel good a lot of the time on my flesh. One of the things I've said uh, that I like over the years is that if you're doing the Christian life right, the one of the ways you know that is that your flesh is unhappy all the time. (laughs) Peter said by the Spirit, He that is suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So if you never experience suffering flesh... You are living in constant sin. Amen. Amen. Our fleshly nature must be harnessed. We're going to have to embrace... I know this is just great, right? We're going to have to embrace words from the Bible like crucify. We read that already. Romans talks about mortify, which means kill or deaden. We, we saw the word in Romans, reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin. Yeah. Suffering in the flesh to cease from sin. These are not refrigerator words. These are not bumper sticker words. But they're Bible words. Yeah. I said they're Bible words. Yeah. So like we said last week, no pain, no gain. And people are still convinced they can get the gain without the pain. And that's just not right. Amen. Go with me to 2 Thessalonians. You're having such a good time here. We'll, we'll go to 2 Thessalonians. I don't think you'll like it any better. You know the word, um, the word work or works, it appears 653 times in the Bible. Now, of course, different contexts, you know like our deeds, you know, different things. But 653 times in the Bible, my computer told me that the word work and works. Do you know that God works? He says He rested from all His works on the sixth day. So God works. Do you know that when you get to heaven, a lot of people have poo-pooed heaven. 
They have. They poo-pooed heaven because they got this idea, like Dr. Jacob says, they're going to float around in a cloud. We're just going to have little pop bellies and play guitars and float around in heaven for all eternity. That is not right. You know what you're going to do in heaven? Work. Do you know what a lot of this earthly life is in the mind of God? Training and preparation for your work. You know, we're going to go up there, and however long we'll go up there. If we go in the rapture, we'll be up there seven years. We'll have a party. We'll get judged. We'll go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But then, and then, but then they're all going to say, okay, I want you, you, you in here. You go over here. I'm going to give you your millennial assignment. I've already, put in my, I've already put in my application for the governor of Colorado. <laughs> Amen. At least the mayor of Denver or something. Amen. So anyway, but we're going to come back. What are we going to do? We're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Work. You know, Brother Scott, who should work from a biblical perspective? Everybody. Everybody. Evie should work. Right? I don't believe in child abuse. But Evie should work. She should clean her room. She should pick up toys, wash a dish. How many, how many in the home should work? Everyone. Everyone should work. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Unless you think this is just my newfangled idea. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6. I'm going to read this to you from the God's Word translations. It'll read just a bit different. Brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we order you not to associate with any believer who does not live a disciplined life. What if we actually practiced this? How many friends would you lose? Are you that friend that would be lost? We order you not to associate with any believer who does not live a disciplined life and does not follow the tradition you received from us. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Verse 7, You know what you must do to imitate us. We lived a disciplined life among you. We didn't eat anyone's food without paying for it. Instead, we worked hard and struggled night and day in order not to be a burden to any of you. It is not as though we didn't have a right to receive support, you know, as a minister. Rather, we wanted to set an example for you to follow. While we were with you, we gave you the what? The order. Whoever doesn't want to work shouldn't be allowed to eat. What about kids in the home that refuse to do their chores and then dinner time comes? If we're going to be word people, you say you're a word, we're a word church, we're a word family. I ain't, I'm not, no, I'm not doing it. Should they get to eat? Well, you might want to turn off the live stream and get myself in trouble with the government, but I'm just reading the Bible. Verse 11, we hear that some of you are not living disciplined lives. You're not working. 
So you go around interfering with other people's lives. Wow. You know, you get into a lot less trouble. You know, I tell you what, my brother, God bless him, he's a different man now. He's a changed man now. But, you know, I did the same stuff he did. I just didn't get caught. He didn't know how to do wrong and not get caught. It is. I, I had it down, man. I praise God. I didn't get caught. And, uh, but the, all the dumb things Ben did, amen, serious things, he did because he was bored. Wouldn't go to bed. Bored. Amen. And that's a whole lot of idle time that the devil would love to fill. Amen. Many of us, we get in trouble simply because we don't fill our time with enough work. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Honey, you're married to me. You get a paycheck from the ministry. I ought to at least get an amen from you. I, I was, I said. <laughs> she said, praise the Lord. Okay. <laughs> Verse 12. We order and encourage. How many times have we heard order? The order. We order and encourage such people by the Lord Jesus Christ to pay attention to their own work so that they can support themselves. Brothers and sisters, we cannot allow ourselves to get tired of doing what is right. Amen. It may be that some people will not listen to what we say in this letter. Take note of them and don't associate with them so that they will feel ashamed. Right. Now I thought about our PC culture today. And we're not supposed to do anything that makes people feel bad for their behavior. We can't do that in this PC culture. But as Christians in the church, we have specific instruction from the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, that people who won't work, people who are lazy, people who are in taking the support that other people are providing because, you know, I have to have it. Somebody's got to do for me. Mm-hmm. That that person should be shunned right. and turned away from and disassociated with so that they'll feel ashamed for that mess of behavior. Right. Not doted on. Yeah. Right. And I, I want to speak to you, you bleeding hearts. I have a few bleeding hearts in my church and I love you. Mm-hmm. I need you. Yep. How many of you, you wouldn't care if I said your name? <laughs> okay, you would care. Amen. You know who you are. You're you're wired like this from God. You have what's called a mercy gift. And I mean, when you see someone in need, you just go into a mode. And this is what you love. Right? You're the one that adopts every stray animal. You're the one that picks up the hitchhiker no matter how dangerous it might be. You're the one that can't, you can't leave the guy on the street corner with the can. You've you got to do something. Yep. Your heart just, oh, you're a bleeding heart. Yep. Right. And it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter the circumstance. Yes. The decades of sin and negligence and stupidity and unrenewed thinking and rebellion against the Word that has produced the life that you're now looking at. You know, my God, we just have the... Well, hey, we should help. But to the bleeding heart, there are times where the Spirit's leading would be 
unless they have really repented and changed, they need to just wallow in that mess until they learn the lesson. You know, as Christians, we have a covenant. As Christians, we live by faith. As Christians, we have favor. We have all this, and I teach that to my kids. But when you're looking at the world, when you're just looking at the world, I want my kids to understand, the world doesn't owe you anything. The world won't give you anything. And you're going to have to learn how to put your pants on in this world. And yes, use your faith. And be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. Now, people that, if when they take those gift tests, like Amber and I, we take those gift tests, and our mercy score doesn't even register, it's so low. The last time we took one of those, our score didn't even register. Amen. I have more mercy than you. Let's put it that way. Amen. People like me and my wife, we need, I'm going to try not to point at the bleeding hearts, we need people like you. But you bleeding hearts, you need people like me. And somewhere the love of God will be right there in the middle somewhere. But people can get taken advantage of. I mean, there's a family in town. They came in. I still had the cane. He did legitimately get healed in here. And their family, we helped them for just a little bit. I, put, I paid for a hotel room. And I got them some groceries. And they were here for a couple services. And, but for years and years and years, I see him almost every week lately. And he drives around his truck all disheveled looking with his sad kids. And he'll pull up to someone that's just, just all the guy, like he did it to me. I just got my stuff. I'm just trying to get my stuff from Walmart and get back and go on without my day. And he pulls up, and he didn't, recognize, he didn't see me. And he goes, oh, sir, sir, do you see the gas station right over here? I'm just really, and he wants to give me this lie, this tale of woe. And oh, would I give him, and I said, I know you. I know you. You're a charlatan. And he starts rolling up his window and just, and you know what he does? He just pulls around and he gets somebody else. And this is how the guy lives. He should not be able to do that in this small community. He should not be able to do that. Now, I'm not a bleeding, but the bleeding heart will go, oh my God, yes, let's get you a sandwich. Some people have legitimate needs. Some people are, hmm. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, we're having fun. Praise God. Amen. Let's... Um, Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm trying to find a scripture you like. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. You're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me quote to you Proverbs 25, 28. It says, A breached city where there is no wall. That is like a man who has no self-control. So the Bible is saying here that a man who doesn't have control over his own spirit is like a broken down city without a defensive wall. This becomes very dangerous. Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Because enemies are the ones that's going to gain access there. So someone that has gained mastery, they have a level of, they've developed in this fruit of the Spirit called temperance. They are not a broken down city. They are not a defenseless wall. You know, some people's lives are cut short. Not, not even because they're not in the will of God. They're pursuing the will of God. But they just never took proper care of their body. They never gave any real regard to diet. Let me give you an example. Uh, he's been in heaven so long, I think it's fine to even use his name. Back in the healing revival, one of the men of God that was just so mightily used of God during that time was a man named Jack Coe. And, uh, but Jack Coe, my understanding is, he died in his 30s. And Brother Hagin said he'd never seen anything like it, that he could have a line of a dozen deaf and dumb people, totally blind, can't hear anything. And in just a few minutes, he'll have all of them seeing and, and all of them hearing. He's just so mightily, mightily used of God. And one time, the Spirit of God came on Brother Hagin. He was sitting in a car in a parking lot, and Jack Coe was getting in another car. And the Spirit of God came on Brother Hagin and said, if Jack, if, Jack, if Brother Coe doesn't judge himself in three areas, he'll be dead within a year. And he said, I want you to go tell him to judge himself in these three areas. <laughs> okay, who wants to be a prophet? What were the three areas? Number one, he said food. He was a very heavy man. He said, uh, the, he, the way Brother Hagin said it was, he said, he eats like a hog. So that was number one. Number two was uh, money. He's not right about money. And then number three, he needs to judge himself in love for the brethren. In love for the brethren. Well, Brother Hagin started to get out. And he got, Jacko got distracted, jumped in a car, and, and took off. And he never had an occasion to warn Jacko like the Spirit of God said. Jacko never judged himself, and he was dead within the year. Great man of God, mightily used of God, in the will of God, life cut short. One third of that was food. Notice how it bled into other more serious areas. How he handled money. Amen. How he handled his love walk. You know, a lot of walking in love is biting your tongue. Isn't it? A lot of what, of what, a lot of what walking in love is, is not saying what you feel or think right then. What does that take? Discipline. It, it takes self-control. Practice. Practice. Bite your tongue. You know, spouses, you don't have to correct your mate every time they get out of line. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love's not, according to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in the Amplified, love's not keeping score. It takes no account of a suffered wrong. And if you feel like every little thing you've got to bring up with your spouse, you're the one that's not right. You're not walking in love. 
Amen? You don't have to call out the waiter or waitress every time they do something wrong. That, that's a bad habit. You know, looking at the time, this is the message. This is the flow. This is, this is it. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Glory to God. Verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. See, here's the why. There's a prize. There's a, there's a reward from God. There's, there's a prize to get a hold of. And we're all running a race. Amen? In verse 25 it says, And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. How many of you know if you knew anything about the, uh, the U.S. Olympic teams? And the people, they spend four, some of them spend four years training for 30 seconds. Some of them will train for four years for a hundred yard dash that will take less than 10 seconds. And they're not just disciplined in one area. They have to be disciplined with when they get up, what they eat, how they train how they spend their time, great sacrifices made. And that's what Paul is talking about, these earthly games. They do it to receive a crown that perishes. But we are doing it, come on, to receive a crown that never fades away. It'll affect our eternity. And to get to the end of our race, to accomplish the plan of God for our life, to get to our destiny in God is going to require mastery over self. Amen. The ability, uh, temperance means to restrain oneself. I was reading Rick Renner's uh, definition. He's a Greek scholar, and he said that uh, the word temperance in the Greek is a compound word, and it means the first word is in, like in, and the second word is power. So the Greek word, the fruit of the spirit of temperance is in power or in control. To have power within yourself. To restrain yourself. Amen. From not doing what the flesh wants to do. Whether it's strike out in anger or be a glutton or be lazy towards spiritual things or get into lust or adultery or sin of whatever type. Amen. And it's just so sad. We're all in a race, but very few of us really are striving for the mastery. Right. A lot of people, they're, you know, they're running. They love God, and they're running. But they're not running to win. They're not running to win. He said, run your race in such a way that you may obtain the prize that's being offered. And the only way you're going to do that, the only thing he brings up here in this passage is temperance. Or self-control. For me to get to my God-ordained end in ministry is going to take a lot of self-control. Have you know as a pastor it would be bad to have a road rage incident? Local pastor. 
to reach out and say, you know, slap the contractor that did me dirty. Yeah. Local pest. Yeah. Right? I, I have to control myself. I have to restrain myself. I mean, I know Amber has had to at times feel like she's got, her, she's got me harnessed and she's doing everything she can. Oh, my God, please. Please don't say that. Please don't call them right now. Please. Please. They're going to leave the church for sure if you say that to them. Please. Some of you have been rescued by my wife's attempts to keep me from flying off in the flesh. You know, one day Dr. Dufresne said he came off the road. He'd been ministering for about three weeks. And he was love level low, word level low. You know, he'd given out for three weeks. He just wanted to come home, kiss his wife, and rest a little bit. And he had some construction going on. was on his way to Home Depot. And some guy gave him the bird and called him an SB. And he said before he knew it, he had the thing in park. The door flung open, and he was running at the guy. <laughs> Dr. Dufresne. And he said, on his way to tangle with the guy. He had a vision. I mean, he, I'm sure it wasn't a real vision, but he had a vision of local pastor on the news, slugs, man who called his mom an S, whatever, I don't know. And so he went, ur, 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 and just said, listen, I'm, I'm out of here, you know, whatever. But see, you can get derailed. Amber and I, we know, we know of a few ministers just fought their way right out of the ministry. Because their doctrine's right, bless God, they're right, bless God, everybody else is a heretic, and it's my way or the highway, and they're on the junk heap of life and ministry today. Yeah. They can't control that arrogant thing in you. There's a lot of things we could pick on. Can you be in a five-minute conversation and let someone talk more than one minute of it? Or are you just totally out of control talking about you and your stuff? Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. How am I doing, honey? Okay. I'm almost done. <laughs> Look at verse uh, 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beats the air. But I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And so again, this is, you know, speaks to the seriousness of failing to develop the fruit of temperance in your life, of self-control. Paul said, even though I have preached to others, raised up churches, written two-thirds of the New Testament, I still have to put my body in subjection lest after having done all that, I myself could be, dis that word means disqualified. Right. A lack of self-control in your life as a Christian is disqualifying to the plan of God. Amen. When people, they're called, but they want their big moment. But they won't discipline themselves to serve behind the scenes. And they won't do it diligently. Right. It's half-hearted. It's sporadic. First a bit of inconvenience, they're, they're off the schedule. You know, I don't think I'm anointed for this. 
baloney. Right. Amen. Amen. And it becomes a disqualifying thing. Amen. Amen. You know, the Phillips translation of this says, Paul said, I am my body's sternest master. Amen. The Weiss translation says, I make my body an abject slave to me. You know, who's in charge? Is your body in charge? Is your tongue in charge? Your appetites, your passions, your urges? Is that what's in charge? Because that's someone that's out of control. Amen. 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 And it's disqualifying to the plan of God. Amen. Amen. And uh, oh, my, my, my. And again, I'm, I'm done, but I... God uses, is going to use what is to you the least to qualify you for the much. He that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful also in that which is much. So don't minimize the dealings of God. What is God dealing with you about as we've gone through? He's dealing with us all about something as we've moved through these teachings on diligence. And that's none of my business. That's your business. Amen. But if the thing the Spirit of God highlighted, put His finger on, is to you something small, don't dismiss it. Amen. By just dismissing and sort of laughing off His dealings with you to get disciplined. If you can't get disciplined in a small thing, God will not be able to give you a big thing. At some point in practical prosperity, we'll have to talk about stewardship. Stewardship is part of practical prosperity. If God can't put $100 in your hand and you handle it right, He cannot put 1000 He cannot put 10000 It's not just the tithing and the faith that brought us into a million-dollar flow here in this church. It's 20 years of demonstrating to God and learning and being corrected to steward the amount of the resources that God gives each year. Amen. Amen. A lot of people think they have money problems, and they don't. They don't have money problems, they have spending problems. If you had more money, and, and you, get, you gain no mastery with the credit card, right? God has much. Amen. God has much. I, I'm not, I, God help me. He's got great, I, He's spoken to me, He's whispered to me things about my future. And you know, so much of it, Miss Jennifer, He put on an alarm clock. I'm dead serious about that. He put, he put so much of my future ministry on a 6 a.m. get up time. That's good. <laughs> so that's late. I want to talk to you in the office after we get back here. <laughs> Amen. Let's all stand up. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But again, we could just spend, you know, the millennia talking about the different areas. But what about anger? What is?